welcoming to Rage Against the Mainstream for the first time, our new friend, Justin, from Through the Eyes of the Dead. How you doing today, man? Doing great. How you doing, man? I can't complain, you know, with all the goofy pandemic coronavirus thing that's going on. It just, uh, it's nice to be able to do stuff like this and actually still have some kind of human interaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess to start this off, for those those listeners that don't know, I know who you are, but for those of for, for those listening that don't know, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm Justin Longshore. I play guitar for Through the Eyes of the Dead. So, what got you into music, or what what got you to pick up guitar? Oh, um, uh, started probably at a really young age. Um, I was always really into music. I remember. Uh, I think sometime in elementary school, uh, I asked for a, a drum set for my birthday and, um, my stepdad at the time, he actually had one, he had an old Ludwig and he set it up and I just, uh, you know, just started banging on it. And, um, that was kind of an early memory of me really thinking like, Hey, this is like, you know, something I can get into. Um, he was a guitar player as well. And he ended up, um, his son and I, um, you know, he, his son is basically like a brother to me. Um, my mom and him split, but anyways, uh, we were basically brothers growing up and we, you know, really started getting into heavier music. We actually started, there was a kid down the street, uh, named John who would let us borrow cassette tapes <laughs> and we would, we would go through it. We didn't even know what, what some of this stuff was. And he had stuff like, I remember prong, um, Sepultura. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, a lot of the Metallica stuff. That was probably a really big one. Uh, and you know, we were young. Nirvana was really huge for us and things like that. I remember we would start like moshing like in, in the room, like, cause what we would see on MTV. So that was kind of like what got, got me into music, <laughs> um, at a really young age. But yeah, and then I picked up the guitar, um, you know, shortly after that stint with the drums, cause I realized you know, maybe I uh, should play guitar because it's a little quieter in the house. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I mean, that, that's kind of how everyone really starts. You know, everyone kind of has like the, you know, like the perception of I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be the drummer. And right. <laughs> you know, nine times out of 10, like that shit just doesn't fly with parents. Like being an adult now, it's just like, yeah, I can I can kind of get why my parents wouldn't let me have a drum set in the house. Yeah, uh, technology's come a long way. So now everyone can get, you know, electronic kits and, you know, get pretty uh, convinced, uh, convincing sounds from those. But yeah, they weren't quite uh, around, you know, when I was growing <laughs> up. So, um, and plus, I have, uh, you know, I, I have really bad coordination. So I cannot play a drum set to save my life. But I do love drums. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and like going back to what you're saying before with the uh, with the electronic kits now, technically you don't even really have to be a drummer anymore. You can just go on the computer and uh, create like a MIDI sequence and then shit, you know, like you could just be a one man band and just play the backing tracks anymore. You really don't even oh, need yeah. to be a drummer as long as you have yeah, a basic I'm, sense of like timekeeping. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. I mean, I do a lot of, you know, I write a ton of music and I hate sending anyone any ideas without any kind of drum reference. So I, I program a lot of MIDI now and that helps tremendously. Even though I program like a guitar player, I'm, I'm trying to get better <laughs> with that. Well, actually that, that brings us into our next question here. How, 
how does the songwriting process work for Through the Eyes of the Dead? Like you, you were just saying that you present, you know, like pretty full songs. Is that how like most of the songs get written or like, do you guys like try to hash it out like in a room or how does this, how does the process work for you guys? Yeah, we haven't um, hashed anything out in the room in a long time, just because we're so scattered across the United States right now. Um, we did on um, our 2010 record called Skepsis. Um, we actually went to our drummer's house. He has a house in New York um, and we had a spot there. And we hashed out ideas in the room there. Um, but a lot of them mainly start at home, um, utilizing, you know, the technology that we have now. You know, you can get guitar plugins and drum plugins and things like that. And I'm, you know, I'm really into recording uh engineering producing side. So I I hash out a lot of stuff at home before I'm able to, you know, I, I would really want to take it anywhere anyways. So um, you know, as far as us writing, uh my bass player Jake, he uh he has a little rig at home, you know, we all kind of have our own thing. And lately what we've been doing is sending, uh, just, uh, stems of our guitars, um, and bass, if there's bass, uh, you know, in there and we'll send it to our drummer, Mike to a click and he will come up with ideas. And usually what I do is I'll program the drums that I had in mind and he kind of, you know, puts his, uh, his own, uh, personality to it and, um, makes it, you know, our drummer would play it. Yeah, exactly. And then he sends it back. And then, you know, we kind of go over it and we have like a little group, uh, text that we do and, you know, just to see, uh, what everyone's thoughts are. So we kind of do it that way at the moment, which is working out pretty good. Yeah. Plus, especially with you guys being spread out so far, I guess, uh, like the whole, uh, like sending out ideas and having them be like close to completed songs. I guess that makes everything a lot, a lot easier. For sure. It's actually funny too, like speaking of, you know, programming MIDI drums and sending them to your drummer, it it reminds me of uh, the Foo Fighters documentary back and forth where Dave Grohl was uh, discussing how he played the drums on uh, Foo Fighters Color in the Shape. And he said, uh, it was the funniest thing I ever heard. He's like, uh, I know as a songwriter where the root accents shall be. And he's like, that's just like a really like nice way of saying, I know how the fucking drums should sound. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. We've all been there. And that guy's superhuman too. So, Oh yeah. You know, he can do it all. And, and he's just, there's, there's special people out there and he's, he's definitely one when it comes to, you know, musicians. Oh yeah. It's funny. Cause on a previous episode, we were talking about Dave Grohl in particular, and it was like, uh, you know, like out of like the nineties bands, like I feel like like Matt Cameron and uh like Sean Kenny may have been a better drummer than Dave, but Dave Grohl is the best multi instrumentalist. Like he's oh, yeah. he's not the best guitar player, he's not the best drummer or the best bass player or whatever, but he's the best at everything together, and that's all he needs to be. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's you know, because he's a songwriter at heart, and at the end of the day, you can be the most technical player, but it doesn't matter unless the song's really good. So I think that's what really lets him stand out too. Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely got it. I'm a huge, I've been a huge fan of them since the first record. So, Oh yeah. And even like, uh, even like the old, like Nirvana stuff, you could really hear like yeah. the influence of Dave and, you know, it was funny. I watched, uh, uh, classic albums, nevermind, uh, the other night. And, uh, 
you hear like in bloom where Dave's doing like harmonies in the chorus and stuff. And it's like, damn, this, this dude was like in it even back then. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, and just the way he hits his drums, I think it really added to the intensity of that band. Um, cause if you go back and listen to like, you know, bleach and like all that early stuff, like the songwriting was there, but it sounded like something was missing. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah. When Nevermind came out, it was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dave, Dave's just a fucking animal. That's all there is to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, going back to the whole songwriting process and everything, uh, what do you guys enjoy, enjoy doing more? Um, writing material and getting it hashed out in the studio or being on the road? Um, I personally, I love being in the studio. I love writing. I like being in the studio and recording. Um, it's kind of like one of my big hobbies. Um, so that would be that for me. I honestly, um, I was, we, when we started touring, we started touring in about 2004. Um, and we started getting pretty serious back then. And, you know, by 2005, we were like on the road, probably eight or nine months out of the year. And that lasted for a good seven or eight years or so. Um, but I started getting super burnt out towards the end of that. Um, and so did my bass player. So we wanted to take a little break after, uh, we did, uh, the disomus or I'm sorry, the skepsis, uh, touring cycle. So for me, um, definitely I like the studio. I like the writing producing aspect. Uh, I know that a couple of the guys in the band want to be full-time now. We're actually not in a position to be full-time, uh, right now. And, you know, our drummer Mike and and uh, Steven, our guitar player, um, really want to be out on the road a lot more. And I totally understand. But, you know, we have jobs and families and things oh, yeah. like that. So it's a little tough. Um, but they uh, had thought of uh, bringing up, you know, like maybe a touring lineup, kind of like how um, some bands are doing, like Suffocation's doing that now. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, we we were talking about it, but it just kind of didn't happen and you know it was kind of left up in the air um you know a lot of mixed feelings about it but uh either way yeah we we definitely want to be out more regardless but um i think it's kind of a mixed thing between you know all of us in the band my uh singer danny he's actually a cop in chicago so he's definitely unable to tour (laughs) full time (laughs) yeah i mean he gets like cool like he gets like spread out like vacations so we can actually work with him and actually do like, uh, uh, you know, like a two week run or something here and there. So I, I, I like, I like little spurts here and there. I don't don't like to be like stuck on the road. Um, but that's just me personally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm not a touring musician, nor will I ever be, but I can imagine it like getting extremely burned out. Like, you know, you hear like the whole thing of like it being groundhogs day and you're playing the same places and, you know, doing the same oh, yeah. thing and like the days just mesh together and yeah, I, yeah, mean, I can understand it. There's a lot of aspects I definitely do miss. Um, I love traveling. I love seeing new cities. Um, I, my, the biggest, uh, thing about playing shows is, uh, for me is playing the actual show. Um, there's nothing I probably love more than that, but I don't like all the bullshit in between. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so it's like, you know, you're driving, you know, you, you play your show um, and then you go, you know, say you're going to the bar and have a drink. And then next thing you know, you got to pack up and leave 
um, and you got to be at a 10 a.m. load in the next day and you got a 10 hour drive or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that kind of stuff happens quite often on, you know, um, you know, touring uh, runs and things like that. So stuff like that, I don't miss, but there are really cool things about it as well. So it just depends on the type of person you are. Oh yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, I mean, I guess to a certain extent it would have to be, you know, like how comfortable you are with being away from home and exactly. you know, there's a ton of factors involved with it. And, you know, it's the, I guess it's the one part of being a touring musician that people don't quite understand. And, uh, I can only imagine like the dudes that do love it, like how they're feeling now, like not being able to at all oh, if yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. So many people in the industry are affected. I have so many friends on like my Facebook timeline that are just, they don't know what to do with themselves. But, um, one really cool aspect, I think with this whole pandemic happening, um, is it seems like a lot of these bands are coming up with really cool ways to connect with their fans even better than they were before. Um, cause people have more time and it's getting that connection. You know, there's not as much of a barrier anymore. And, you know, a lot of them are doing Twitch and, you know, live streams and things. And I think it's really cool for fans of music to get even that much up close and personal. So I'm trying to look at it on the positive side, but yeah, it's definitely affected, you know, a lot of these people cause that's, you know, their bread and butter is touring and, you know, I was like listening to a podcast with the drummer of Circus Survive the other day. And it's like, you know, that's what those guys do. And they have children and, you know, they, that they have to feed. So Yeah, exactly. They, they do this for a living. I mean, as you know, normal people have normal jobs and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and this isn't kind of one of those things. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure you just can't go to the unemployment office and be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm not able to tour right now. Yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of gray area there, I'm sure. Um, so it's it's scary, man. It's definitely very scary for, you know, you know, I mean, even like our sound guy who um, did our last run, um, you know, he tours nonstop like he's just never home. And now he's like not doing anything right now. And it's I don't know, it's really scary, especially financially for these people. So, I mean, they have I think, you know, Music Cares has done like some stuff, but like there's only so much you can do. There's only so much money out there. So, yeah, we were actually talking. It was another episode, actually, because when this all happened, we we stopped releasing episodes for a little while because, you know, we weren't sure how long this was going to last. We weren't sure of anything. Now we record remotely that they record from home and I record in the studio. And, um, you know, we we had talked about it when we all got back together. It was one of the first episodes we did back, like bands doing like live streams and stuff like that. Like uh dropkick Murphy's did a live set on uh St. Patrick's day. And I was like, man, this is like, this is a really good idea. I'm actually surprised yeah. that more artists like aren't really jumping on that bandwagon. Yep. Um, yeah. Like I was saying uh, before, you know, it's definitely people are coming up with, you know, pretty cool and exciting new things to connect with their fans even more. So I like, to see that there's some positivity on that side, you know, because, you know, it is a bummer, but, um, I mean, even me, like I was watching, uh, you know, the contortionist on Twitch the other day. Um, and I was, they, they would go through their pro tools sessions on when they recorded this record. And, uh, it's really cool to see that aspect, you know, coming from the band and the producer, like, um, just seeing that right in front of your face, you know, you oh, don't yeah. really, you don't get that ever. So, 
Yeah, and plus, I mean, the whole, like, people aren't really buying physical copies of CDs anymore that have, like, the behind-the-scenes, like, DVD that comes with them or anything, so. Exactly. Yeah, you have to get clever with it these days. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I do believe with the advancements in social media and, you know, like, uh, how easy it is to interact with people, I do feel like, uh, I do feel like, like a lot of artists now are really taking to social media and everything to kind of help boost it. And I've seen a lot more with like Patreon and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I just can't wait for everything to go back to normal. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just wild. a lot of people, a lot of people are saying the same thing. Exactly. I mean, I, I like I'm doing it for selfish reasons. Like I, I'm trying to, you know, get the guys back in the studio to do the podcast. Cause I hate doing it on the phone. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Slayer, I mean, not Slayer, uh, Lamb of God, Megadeth and Flames, they're supposed to be coming to Camden in July. And honestly, I don't think we're going to get that. I I don't think they canceled it, but they, they haven't said anything. So I doubt we're going to get that this summer. It's it, Yeah, you know, it seems like they're moving things, you know, to next year or the end of the year. Um, a lot of these bands. Yeah, and, you know, now next year you get to go see uh, Rage Against the Machine for, you know, $400 a ticket now because the, uh, <laughs> you know, the demand. <laughs> yep, start saving now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the price of those tickets, I was like, are you shitting me? Like, yeah. they're, they're able to, to get they're able to get those prices because of who they are. But that kind of like goes against literally everything that they stand for. Yeah, I could see that. That's a band that I, you know, I've started listening to since the very first record too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I never got to see them live. <laughs> Obviously, we're fans here of them. I mean, if if the name of the podcast yeah. wasn't clear enough, <laughs> but um, oh yeah. Getting back to you know listening to albums and stuff, uh, you know, uh, listening to bands and stuff from the first album, or whatever. Um, who do you draw your influences from? Like in, you know, music, uh, songwriting, playing, guitar playing, the whole nine. Like who, who, like when you wake up in the morning and you grab your guitar, who are you trying to channel? <laughs> um, that's a really hard question to answer because I'm so, I, I like so much stuff. Um, you know, I'm pretty well-rounded when it comes to that. But I mean, as far as any, guitar players that have really like spoken to me i think um trey from morbid angel was a really big one when i was uh coming up I, when i first got into death metal um i actually um the kid that i was telling you about earlier um he had a cassette tape uh, covenant by morbid angel oh, and nice. that yeah that got me hooked on the really extreme stuff because i was I was just like, how can something sound this evil and, and heavy and, you know, but, um, I, but I actually grew to really like his guitar playing, like the way he played. Um, and actually that, uh, around that time I was actually listening to like shit like Steve I and stuff like that too. So I was really listening to like kind of extreme forms of the guitar and like what you could actually do with it. Oh yeah. Um, and, um, I think it was like alien love secrets around, I think that was the first record that I had. Um, and I actually heard them on a, a radio station, believe it or not. Um, that was in Myrtle beach down South in South Carolina where, you know, I was living at the time. Um, so I'd say probably Trey, uh, John Petrucci from dream theater is really big. I got into him a little later. Um, you know, probably in my twenties. Um, you know, cause I started out when I started out playing guitar, I was just playing Nirvana songs. 
Um, so I, you know, Kurt Cobain, basically I was getting tabs of, um, we, when we had to like print tabs on actual paper, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting tabs from a friend when he, cause he had the internet and like, I didn't have the internet at the time or I'm talking like this had to be like mid to late nineties. Um, so probably around like 97, 98, I was getting these printed out tabs. That are you have to wait for uh, Guitar World's issue every month. Oh, like, yeah. Hope that yeah, Guitar the World you to was learn. huge. <laughs> yeah, Guitar World was huge. I, I would definitely wait and try and learn those songs, um, you know, like Soundgarden songs. A lot of the, you know, 90s stuff um, that got coined in the grunge and things like that. Um, that's what I started with. But, yeah, guitar player-wise, Trey from Morbid Angel, John Petrucci. And then I started getting into Steve Vai and Satriani and um, those guys as far as, like, uh, you know, extreme things that you can do with the guitar and kind of outside of the box. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty more. I just can't think of any right now. Those kind of just come, come to mind. Going back to what you're saying about uh, bands being coined, like, uh, you know, uh, grunge and whatnot. Um, do you feel like through the eyes of the dead is more of a death core band or do you feel like you guys are more of a death metal band with maybe a core type influence? Uh, definitely a death metal band with core type influence. Um, it's really weird. Um, it's a, that's a interesting question and it makes total sense because we do get coined in the death core genre, but death core is so different now. Um, that I actually think deathcore is what it has, should have always been. Um, and basically what I mean by that is like, you know, like say a band like Chelsea grin. Yeah. And then you, and then I think that is like a deathcore band. Um, but if you compare Chelsea grin to us, I think we sound very different. Um, we're still heavy, but you know, they have a lot of more of that core sound. And I feel like we focus a lot more on, you know, certain type of death metal riffs and things like that. So I, I think we definitely have an influence because basically when this band first started, I was listening to like, I mean, obviously we had our, uh, we were listening to like a lot of like melodic metal, like in flames, um, like a lot of Swedish metal, yeah, like in, in flames, soil work. Uh, so that's where like the melody came from. And then, um, you know, I, and then the extreme stuff like Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, uh, Death, Death. Oh, Chuck is one of my favorite guitar players of all time. I don't know why I forgot about that. He's but a anyways, favorite on this show, too. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite band ever. But anyways, um, you know, that's where our death metal influence came from. And we kind of combined that. Um, and at the time when I was growing up in, in the Carolinas, they had a North Carolina scene. I was in South Carolina, but you know, it started kind of gradually coming into South Carolina a little bit over the years, but I was listening to stuff like prayer for cleansing, um, a band called undying. Um, and then I was listening to like a lot of these underground bands that I found online. Um, there was, uh, in this day, um, a lot of these like heavier type of like metal core, I guess it would be metal core at the time. So we were kind of blending that together. Um, and that's kind of how we started. So we sounded a lot, a lot more metalcore, uh, you know, when we first started, but it definitely evolved into more heavier death metal stuff. And we kind of kept the core element, you know, cause we did, we, we like heavy parts. Oh yeah. I mean, who, do, who doesn't? So we had to keep those. <laughs> yeah. Who does, who doesn't like a good breakdown every now and then? 
Exactly. And, and, you know, for a live show, I think it's super important to have those kind of grooves, um, you know, within the live show. Cause I mean, there are some songs of, of ours where they're just like, say we really like this song, but it's just straight fast blast beats the whole time. When you play the, those type of songs live for us, we don't get the same reaction as like if we play, you know, something with, you know, with a, a break. Cause you got to let the song breathe and Oh yeah. That's how kind of how we let it breathe. <laughs> yeah, the reason I brought that question up was because like you know, like Malice came out in 2007, Skepsis came out in 2010. Your the Wikipedia page for Through the Eyes of the Dead claims you guys deathcore, but then like you think of those two album cycles, the bands that had come out around that time like Suicide Silence and Job mm-hmm. for a Cowboy and stuff like that and I always felt like you guys never were like that. Like, you know, there's a difference between like, you know, like a kid with teased hair and, you know, like the neon streak in his hair versus like a death metal fan. And I feel like (laughs) that, like, you know, the two fan bases, I feel like I feel like a Suicide Silence fan really wouldn't be into Through the Eyes of the Dead, you know, like at first hit listening and uh, vice versa. I, I, I I think you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure that we have plenty of their fans that like us and vice versa, but at first listen, like you said, like it, it's a very different um, type of metal, but it's still heavy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but I remember, I remember when my, the first, like in my mind, like the first deathcore band would probably be all shall perish. Cause I was actually listening to them when we first started. And I was just like, I mean, they blended like hardcore elements with a lot of death metal stuff and they go way back. Oh yeah. All um, shall perish is nasty. Yeah, but if you listen to like a lot of their early, early stuff, like they were doing it before a lot of these bands were. So I think that like the Job for Cowboys, Suicide Silence, those type of bands, they were kind of like the new wave of it. Yeah. And even Job for Cowboy, I would tread lightly on calling them deathcore because if you listen to like a lot of their later stuff, it really um, went a different direction. Um, but if if you ask a fan from around that time, they were probably the deathcore band. So it's a really weird, uh, you know, thing um, with de- the deathcore label um, and h- how it's evolved. Cause I think it's something totally different now. Yeah. And I feel like the title itself, like definitely um, like, well, like definitely turns off like some of like the elitists. I mean, cause let's, let's be real here. Some, some of the most elitist fan bases in the world are of the heavier music. And I mean, even like our one beautiful co-host Steve here on this show, he's uh one of the elitist types. And uh <laughs> he, he you know, the second he like even like sees the title that's Deathcore, he's like instantly turned off. And it's just like, well, <laughs> like, dude, come on. Like you actually have to give it a listen. Like um uh another uh, other guests we've had on on this show before, um, we've had the band Alica on who just uh released an album uh called Descending on Stay Sick Records. They, um, dude, that they, they honestly, they kind of remind me of you guys a little bit, but they have like more of a core edge to them. And, um, mm-hmm. like I sent him over the album. I was like, dude, you got to check this out. These guys are fucking nuts. And he's like, ah, oh, dude, it's fucking death core. Are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, come on. Like, you know, it, it's just the whole like name and shit to it. My, my whole like opinion on it is if you can groove to it, then that's it. Exactly. I agree. Cause there's, there's different ways of doing it. Um, so, I mean, it, 
I don't know. It's a, it's a lame title. I will, I will say like when I hear it, I do think like, Oh God, (laughs) (laughs) but, but my band gets, you know, coined with that, that genre a lot. So it's like, I'm just, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover. Just listen to the band and make your decision from there. (laughs) Exactly. So going back to the band for a minute, if you, if there, I know you guys had covered a morbid angel song at one point, I believe that was on bloodlust, but if you guys could cover another song, what would it be? Or what Um, would you like to cover? Well, we were actually talking about covering um, a Pantera song. So that's probably what we would do. Um, We were talking about doing like Shedding Skin or there's a few that we had brought up. Um, And actually, my bass player and I, um, we were talking about doing uh, an Undying song um, from way back when, because that was, like I said earlier, how they were an influence, um, you know, of ours. But uh, probably it would probably be Pantera. I think that was the last thing that we were talking about, um, because it would be cool to try and put our take on that. Um, Not that we would, you know, touch Pantera at all, but uh, it would be interesting to hear our take on it. Um, More so for me. (laughs) Domination could be pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's actually another one that um, uh, Jake had mentioned. So, yeah, that was another one that would be really cool. So, I don't know. Maybe we we should try it out. I mean, we're actually in the process. My drummer is, um, he has a studio being built as we speak. Um, he was actually sending me photos of it earlier. Um, so we're really pumped on being at, cause we practice usually with him in New York. Okay. Um, and he's getting an actual really nice, uh, you know, full studio built, um, near his place. And, you know, we're going to be able to rehearse there. We're going to be able to record new stuff there. Um, so we're really excited to do that. So that, with that being said, you know, this could be a lot easier for us to pump out more material. Yeah. Actually that kind of leads me into, um, like you guys, like you guys never really like put out an album like every year, you weren't those type of bands. So you have, you know, 2005 to 2007, then 2007 to 10, then 10 to 17. What, what can we expect next? Do we have to wait like 10 years at this point? Um, no, um, (laughs) I'm just busting balls, man. Chronologically, yes, but uh, no, we actually um, we're writing now. Okay, we've been writing since last year, the end of last year. Um, we did a bunch of dates and well, uh, string of shows here and there, and um, we started writing. Well, um, we were going to do an EP, but that may now be a full length since we've had so much time here. Um, you know, with with this whole. COVID thing going on and um, us having more time to work on things. Oh yeah. So it might end up turning into a full length, but um, I don't even know I should if I should be mentioning it uh, right now, but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, we've remixed and remastered a lot of the old stuff, um, like our EP and our split. Oh, nice. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of new fans haven't heard that stuff because you know, we were on a small label called Love Lost Records back then. Um, Black Dolly Murder actually were on that label as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, but um, yeah, before they signed to Metal Blade, they were on Love Lost. So we did two records on uh, Love Lost. Um, so we're actually remixing and remastering that, which is done now. I'm just waiting on the artwork. Um, and we're going to release it on vinyl. 
and digitally, obviously, and we're going to release that ourselves. So that's probably the next thing that you'll see from us. Oh, that's awesome. Going back to Black Dahlia for a second, uh, what did you think about uh, Verminous? Oh, it's killer. Um, they, they're such a consistent band. Like, I really wish, um, you know, people could say that about us as well, because like everything they put out is like, it doesn't tread too far away from their original style, but it still keeps you interested. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that they, and I, it seems like with every lead guitar player, it's like, it just gets better and better. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, the, the, who, who's the newest guy in there now? I, I forget his name, but, uh, Brandon Ellis. Yeah. Brandon Ellis, dude, he's fucking incredible. I, yeah, I, I watched and, like a guitar um, world video. He just did her premiere guitar video or something. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that fucking dude's got some chops, yeah. man. Yeah, I believe he's from New Jersey as well. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, I think he's from North Jersey, but, um, yeah, he, uh, he shreds, man, and I'm a I'm a pretty good uh, friend of Ryan Knight, who was in the band previously, and he's the one who actually recommended Brandon Ellis to the band when he was going to leave. Um, so he's if he's got his recommendation, then you know he's pretty good. <laughs> no, well, it seems like North Jersey kind of really is the uh, you know like the 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 ground zero for really good guitar players. You got like Snake uh, Snake Sabo, you got Brandon Ellis, you got Zach Wild. You got all. You oh, got yeah. a bunch of dudes from North Jersey that are absolute monsters on guitar. Yeah, man, we need more from South Jersey. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, actually, I mean, I guess uh, I was gonna say like maybe uh, like Tom Kiefer. I know he's from yeah. like the South area. I don't know if he's from right South on. Jersey or Philly, but he's from around here somewhere. Yeah, I guess everyone, even people that are from around here, usually say they're in Philly anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, <laughs> it's funny, uh, you know, in- interviewing a bunch of people that, you know, like uh, we got this one guy I was interviewing out from like the UK and um, like, I'm like trying to like explain like where we are. And I was like, Philadelphia. And he's like, oh, oh, OK, OK. I know where <laughs> Philadelphia is because I'm like, yeah, I'm in South Southern New Jersey. And he's just like, what? I was like, yeah, Philadelphia. Sometimes it's just easier. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, all, I'm only like, you know, 20 minutes away from there. So it's sometimes easier just to say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just made yeah, more usually sense. Yeah, usually if I'm like way. in between Philly and Atlantic City, people are, all right, cool. I know where you're at. <laughs> I get it. Um, Do you have any advice or tips for, you know, our listeners or anyone that in particular that's trying to get into the music industry? Ooh, it's, it's a tough one. Um, it's all about connections. Um really uh utilize social media i think that's the big thing now um it's 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 just it gets so convoluted but you gotta gotta you kind of have to you know make your own own name out there um but yeah it's 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 about the social media and, and all your connections at this point um the industry's changed so many times since we you know you know we're coming up so it's it's a weird thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we're we're past the point now of you know like multi platinum selling artists and you know mansions when you buy when you you know release your first album and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a uh, it's definitely one of those things to where you know you like the influencers and like all these people online and it's just like you know this isn't going to happen. It doesn't happen like this. Yeah, the thing is, um, I mean, when we were first starting and. Like I knew when we were all quitting our day jobs because we were all working before we actually went out full time. Um, 
you know, we were still young, but we all had, you know, jobs at like a music shop or like, you know, just some shitty, you know, retail job or whatever. Um, I told everyone to save their money because it was definitely going to be super rough. Um, and some did and some didn't and some didn't last. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is not giving up. I know it's like really cliche to say, but you, you have to show up. Um, I, you know, when we first went on our first, like our first tour that we did, it was like two tours combined. So we were out for like months. Um, we didn't have a, our van didn't have any AC or anything. So when we hit like Arizona, like we would have to roll the windows up and it was cooler that way. Oh, shit, that's rough. That's rough. <laughs> so like it, the thing is like, we, you know, the core of us, we, we didn't give up. And like, I would have a member, like I had a member quit on the first run. Um, I, I had a, a drummer who quit in the studio recording bloodlust. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, we had to, and he, he eventually decided to, you know, play some more shows with us after, but he definitely quit the band in the studio because, you know, just some stuff going on, but, um, he eventually didn't want to tour so we had to get a fill in right before our first tour, like maybe a couple weeks prior. Um, so you always got to figure it out. You know, I mean, if, if this guy doesn't want to do it, all right, cool. Well, we got to find someone now, you know, we, you know, time's ticking. So you got to show up. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part why this band has lasted because I've been through so many members. Um, like I said, on our first tour, we had to get a fill in drummer like a couple weeks prior to going out for months. Um, our bass player quit on that tour in California, right when we got to California. Oh shit! Um, and he flew home. So we, I ended up teaching the bass parts. A band we were on tour with called Invocation of Nihek, who were on Prosthetic Records at the time with us. I te- taught their bass player the songs in the van, like on the way to the gig. <laughs> so like. <laughs> I, I remember, I think we were in like Indiana or something and he's like learning the songs and, you know, and, and played them, you know, as well as he could for the time allotted. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we, it was just one of those things we've had so many like really shitty situations and really bad things happen, even with the industry and things like that. And money was really tough, but at the end of the day, like always figure it out and move forward. Um, you know, I mean, if you if you have lineup changes, it is what it is. Just keep going. Eventually, fans will for, forget, you know, that this so person was in the band and now this new person's in the band killing it. So, I mean, it, you kind of can't really focus on like the negativity aspect of it because shit's going to get brutal and it's it's going to get tough. But you just got to muscle through it. Oh, yeah. Um, Going back to the lineup changes and stuff, you you're actually the only original member from the band's like original lineup. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, when we, when we toured on bloodlust, um, Jake was in the band towards, uh, you know, he's been doing it since bloodlust. He wasn't on the record, but, uh, he was on the touring lineup of bloodlust. So I kind of, I kind of consider him an original member, but he wasn't, you know, technically original member. He were, he wasn't on like the first three, um, that we did, but it's he was, a, you know, he was, he was on malice and it's as original else. as you can get. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind. I mean, cause we were like, I feel like you're like the, the band is the band when you actually start touring full time and 
you know, you kind of get that bond. So he, he was there since day one, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so having, you know, a career that spanned over 15 years at this point, what are, wow. what's some of the coolest shows that you've played so far? Oh man, there's so many. Um, some of the highlights, I can't really say any shows in particular. Actually, to be honest with you, one of my favorite shows that we played was um, Brutal Beer Fest in Pittsburgh. Um, and that was actually, I don't think it, it was, was it last year? October of last year, maybe? I'm so bad with this. Maybe it was a year prior. I don't even remember. But um, <laughs> I remember it was Brutal Beer Fest. It was with Dying Fetus um, and Incantation. And a lot of really cool bands. Um, and that was a really sick show. Um, so that was like one of the highlights. But as far as like tours go, some of our best tours, we did Sounds of the Underground in 2006, I believe. Um, that was a really sick tour because that kind of, let us um, really see how things are done and how to do things professionally. Um, and also we learned a lot from the bands that we were touring with. I mean, that lineup had uh, Asley dying headlining uh, cannibal corpse was on it. Uh, Black Dahlia murder was on it. A lot of really sick bands were on that. Oh yeah. Um, and our off dates were with, it was us opening and then it was in flames and then it was cannibal corpse. Oh shit. Like on the, off dates in between so like that was like a dream come true yeah that that's um, a fucking that. show right there yeah so like and you know i was pretty young then so like we were just like every night we were just soaking it all in but um that and uh we did an Azalea dying headliner um when malice was out and um that was with uh all the remains and Azalea dying and haste today and that was a really really sick tour like we were playing to a lot of people every night. So like there's so many good shows. It's hard to pick one, you know? Oh yeah. I, I could only imagine going, uh, going back to as dying there for a second. What did you think of their new album? Shape by fire or have you done the <clears throat> I've only listened to it? I've only listened to it a handful of times. Um, it didn't hit me like some of their previous work. Um, but I, that's one that I want to kind of revisit. Um, you know, just because I don't think I really grasped it enough to like, you know, when I was checking it out, I think I was just kind of casually listening. Um, oh, yeah. So, but I did, you know, upon just listening to it, I, I don't, it didn't really hit me like some of their older stuff that I liked. Well, it's kind of funny. Like on, on this show, we have, you know, three distinct personalities. You have, you know, Connor, who's like the like the indie hipster type guy, you know, Nirvana's the greatest band ever. And, you know, uh uh, Neil Young is like one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And then you have Steve, who's, you know, the elitist, you know, like underground punk guy, you know, Danzig era misfits, Trump's all and shit like that. Then you have me, who's like the butt rock guy. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe Nickelback isn't as bad as everyone says. And, you know, like maybe you should give human clay another listen and stuff like that. And um, I, I'm not going to say Azalea dying is butt rock by any means, but I will tell you that when I heard that song, My Own Grave, I was like, holy shit, this is like this is like a fucking hit if I have ever heard one in my whole life. Yeah, they, they're great songwriters, man. Um, we like I said, we we had the 
pleasure of touring with them twice and they were super nice at that time and uh when we toured with them and at that time they were <laughs> well they, <laughs> they were i'll get to that but yeah they were they were pro level man and like you know they they brought it live every single night um you know just seeing their production you know it was definitely something to take in but then uh things you know <laughs> took a turn for the worst yeah um and I never thought that they would actually get back together. So I was surprised. And I actually, I actually really enjoyed uh, the band Woven War. Yeah, um, they were good too. Yeah, and they just kind of dissolved. And then, then Asley Dying's back. And I don't know how I feel about that whole situation, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely fucked up. But yeah. uh, you know, it's there's so many angles that you can look at it. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're, they've gained their popularity again, so more power to them. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, it's funny, like my, my wife's all into like singer songwriters and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, like when, like she heard my own grave and then she, you know, she heard about as I dying and she's like, Oh, it's that fucking guy. And I'm like, yeah, it's this guy. <laughs> I was like, but you know, like maybe you'll like woven more. And she listened to woven more. She's like, I don't even know why the fuck they got back together. I said, uh, she, I was just like, I, yeah. I have no idea. And she's like, this is fucking like, I, I would have played this shit forever. Like why even, yeah, I feel like, like Woven War, um, yeah, I feel like they were, um, maybe a little catchier, a little less extreme. Um, but I feel like when they started gaining traction, then they were just like, all right, well, we're done with that. So yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that they, they would be pretty huge now if, um, I mean, they were, you know, they were pretty popular, but I think they would be pretty big if they kept it going. But well, especially with the popularity of bands like Bad Wolves and shit like that, like you exactly. know, exactly. Like, who would have thought that? Like, when I heard the zombie cover, I was like, man, that's really good. And then next thing you know, it's like, uh, like you know, playing stadiums and shit with Five Figure Death Punch. I was like, what? Like, I remember like <laughs> being like the only person that knew of this band. Yeah, funny you mentioned that. Um, we actually toured uh with god forbid um on one of so when we signed with prosthetic you know we were still doing like when bloodlust first came out we were still doing like really underground diy kind of touring yeah the first actual big tour that we did um happened to have children of bodum chimera and god forbid on it and um that's when i first met doc um so you know we go way back to back then and it was really cool seeing God forbid at that time too, man, they were, they were killing it. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, we, we, we definitely learned a lot, you know, touring on that tour, like how you can't, you know, just, you have to be there on time at your load in, um, or you're going to get shit for it. Like, you know, before it was like DIY is like, yeah, then you want you there at four thirty. you roll up at six thirty. <laughs> um, with these high profile tours, you got to be there on time and you got to show up and do work. So, we, yeah. That's when we first started learning. So you've talked about, you know, tours that you've done and everything and like uh, some incredible bills with really good bands. Is there a, a like a dream lineup, like a tour, a tour or even a show bill that you would love to have if you if you haven't had it already? Um, yeah, we would definitely love to do something with Morbid Angel. Um I'd like to do something Black Dahlia Murder again on a actual bill instead of a festival. Um, Carcass would be really cool. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet. <laughs> um, 
if death was still around, that would be my number one, but, uh, <laughs> that would never happen. Um, well in this, yeah. in this hypothetical situation, Chuck Schuldner is still alive and, uh, okay. you know, they're touring on sound of perseverance at this point in time. <laughs> cool. Well, well, death would be the headliner and I would probably have morbid angel right under that. Um, dark Kane would be on this tour. And, uh, I feel like dark Kane is a very underrated band that everyone needs to listen to. Um, they're, uh, a very thrashy band that kind of went under the radar, but they're actually one of our favorite bands too. A lot of the guys in the band really love dark Kane, So they would be on it for sure. I remember before you were talking about, or I've seen on Instagram, you're doing a, uh, or doing like a, uh, YouTube type channel. Is that something that you're getting off the ground or is that something that's like still kind of in the works? Yeah, I'm still working on it. Um, I have been mainly focusing on my free time and trying to write the next through the eyes record, but, um, I've also been working on engineering producing cause I'm going to probably have uh, my hands in some of the mixing, but, um, I also want to do a lot of gear demos and such. So, uh, I started a YouTube channel pedal to the metal. Um, and it's, going to be mostly pedals and things like that and how i would use them um i have some footage that i've already done but um i'm trying to get to the point uh where i'm happy with everything so that's what i've been doing um i haven't um you know because the video the whole video thing's really new to me yeah so i'm i'm being really picky about it i'm trying to get it to the point where it like looks really good and sounds really good um and I probably should have already released a bunch of stuff that I have, but, um, I don't know. I'm just being really picky about it, but yeah, I, I that's another thing. I'm going to be doing a lot of gear demos and things like that, you know, cause I'm total gearhead, And, um, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully I can put something out there that people enjoy. Yeah. And you know, um, like getting into that type of like the YouTube thing and whatnot, like, you know, like your shit's gotta be on point. Cause you have guys, you know, like Ola Angland and, you know, like fluff yeah. and like those guys. And it's just like, you know, it's almost like if you like, you know, like for instance, like if I were to go out and make a YouTube channel, like I wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it gets a little intimidating. Um, and you know, I'm not like the biggest talker, like, you know, I'm not always in the camera and things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm an introvert, uh, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that, I just kind of got to break through and cause I don't, you know, there's certain people that have that kind of personality, um, that are really good in front of a camera like fluff and all of England and those kind of guys. But at the same time, um, I don't think you need to be that way. I mean, it's, it, it can get a little hokey at times and, you know, I mean, some people that really dig that and some people don't. So I think that at this point, I'm just going to kind of do it for myself and see where it lands. And, you know, if people like it, that would be really cool. And if not, you know, you know, I just have some videos under my belt and, you know, that'll be that. So yeah, exactly. we'll see. <laughs> All right. We'll see where it goes. The last thing I have here, it's not really a question, but this is your chance to plug yourself. Where can people find you on social media? What's next for Justin Longshore? What's next for Through the Eyes of the Dead? This is your opportunity to tell the masses. Cool. So, um, mainly Instagram, it's just going to be, uh, the band's Instagram is, um, T T E O T D, which are just the band's initials of through the eyes of the dead. And mine is Justin T T E O T D. Um, same thing goes with Facebook and Twitter and things like that too. 
So um, that's where you can find me on the webs. And um, definitely check out uh, Pedal to the Metal. That's going to be, it's already on Instagram right now, but um, I'm working on the, uh, the YouTube. So hopefully I can post a link to that soon. But um, that's just uh, Pedal to the Metal on Instagram is just going to be P-D-L-T-O-T-H-E-M-T-L. Nice. Well, you heard it here, folks. Justin, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This was great. And uh, anytime that you want, you're more than welcome to come back on. I mean, maybe after this pandemic thing's over, you know, we can yeah, get you sure. in person on for a topic or something like that. And you can, uh, you know, uh, dispel the uh, the uh, elitistism, I guess you would call it, <laughs> like in the room. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem, dude. All right, everyone. That was Justin Longshore. Hey, this is Justin on Rage Against the Mainstream podcast, and you're listening to Hate the Living.